welcome to episode 84 of Literary Disco. Judge a book by its cover. Today we will bring back one of our favorite classic literary disco games, Judging a Book by Its Cover, which has nothing to do with actually judging a book by its cover, but rather trying to deduce whatever we can from the first paragraph of a book. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me are essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel and novelist and critic Todd Goldberg. Yo, guys. Uh, hey. hey, Ryder Strong. What's so I am, uh, I am being the, the book DJ today. The book, um, the book I DJ. That makes you sound a lot cooler than you really are. Like, the what, book DJ. That's like, what else am I supposed to be? I'm like picking selections. I'm bringing them to you. What would you call You're that? You're mixing them together. I'm running the game. Okay, I'm the host of the game. How about that? I like Bye. it. I'm the book I DJ. I like the idea of a book DJ. Like the eighth grade dance. You're like, you're expecting the cool DJ, but you get the book DJ. It's also, you know, it's all auditory right now because it's all being recorded. You guys can't see right. what I'm holding up because otherwise I would ruin the game. Fine. Uh, all right, so. Fine. Object of the game is um, to, I'm going to read the first paragraph of a book, maybe only the first couple sentences, depending on if it becomes really painfully obvious what book it is or what kind of book it is, and you guys will try and decide anything you can about it. Okay. okay. When it was written, what style, maybe oh. the whole plot of the book, maybe the actual uh, book, if you can get it, which we've done several times. And how does this, oh, yeah. how does this, uh, how's this different than Classics Corner? What was that game? I don't, well, Classics that Corner game? was when one of us wrote a fake passage oh, right. from a classic book. <laughs> right. We'll right. do that. We'll do that again soon. Yeah, I like that one. Okay. Yes, we are all fucking amazing at Classics Corner. <laughs> uh, it's the game that everyone was good at except me because right. I went first and right. took on Moby Dick, which was right. a big mistake. All right, selection number one, Todd, Julia. Yes. yes. <clears throat> The candle flame, and the image of the candle flame, caught in the pier glass, twisted and righted when he entered the hall, and again when he shut the door. He took off his hat and came slowly forward. The floorboards creaked under his boots. In his black suit, he stood in the dark glass, where the lilies leaned so palely from their wasted cutless vase. Along the cold hallway behind him hung the portraits of forebearers, only dimly known to him, all framed in glass and dimly lit above the narrow wainscoting. He looked down at the guttered candle stub. He pressed his thumbprint in the warm wax pooled on the oak veneer. Lastly, he looked at the face, so caved and drawn among the folds of funeral cloth, the yellowed mustache, the eyelids paper thin. That was not sleeping. That was not sleeping. Wow. Wow. Okay, well, I think this is got <laughs> well, either... If this, if this were a Nancy Drew book... It would be called The Mystery of the Candlestick. And yep. everything <laughs> that mattered in the book would be contained within the candlestick. Well, the, so, we are beginning with a funeral, so it's, it's similar to the Nancy Drew. But Right, right. Um, I think this has got to be either a gothic novel or like a smutty um, romance. I, I would hold off just to see if Todd's got got anything to, to throw out there about his thoughts in the book. I, 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 like, your, I like your chutzpah. Thanks. <laughs> I want to guess what it is. Wow. Todd, why don't, why don't you throw any, any thoughts you have on this book? I like your hoots, my kid. 
Let's John, I, like, I like your spunk, so let's let's hear it. <laughs> I like, hey, Ryder, I like your spunk. Um, yeah. <laughs> suddenly, Ryder is a combination of my nana and my mom. Yeah, um, my mom. My mom was always a big fan. She would he, she would always try and pawn me off on uh, like girls that had spunk. I like her. She's got spunk. It wasn't until I was like a teenager. I'm like, I just don't think that's the right phrase you want to use, mom. It's not. Girls don't. She, uh, she, girls don't want to be covered in spunk. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I. It's clearly uh, gothic in its um, in its world. Um, it re or it sounds to me as though it was written in the mid 1900s, or it is a contemporary book written in the style of a book from the early 20th century. Yeah. I suspect it's a contemporary book written in the style of the early 20th century. Um, I think it is not horror, but um, something uh, dark and sad and Victorian in some way. Mm -hmm. um, it might also be satire. It could be a pop. It could be super pickle. Oh my god! It, you found super pickle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I didn't think you could find it's it. Super pickle's father, who has died. <laughs> You're correct. He was a cucumber. All right, Julia. What do you? Uh, what, what? What was your all right out all, all out guess? My all out guess is the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Uh, based on some of the language, cut glass, wainscoting. I just have a feeling. Um, but I know it's too good to be true because of my Frankenstein guess was really good last time. It could also be a smutty romance novel. Uh, it could totally, it could take a pulpy turn at any moment. Um, so I'd love to I hear more. I thought perhaps it was a picture of Dorian Gray, but I didn't think Ryder would own that. <laughs> Why wouldn't Ryder own that? You know, I've actually never but read the picture of Dorian Gray. I, I do own it, and I've tried to read it multiple times but i've never i don't think i've ever finished it so um but hmm. this is not it damn it uh, well oh, you want to guess some more um i i i think it might be a ken follett novel so here's the thing Ryder was just at his parents house um <laughs> up in northern california and he was probably searching around his parents house or something to read and found some giant bulky old paperback. So I don't think it's actually a Ken Follett novel, but I think it's one of those historical fiction books uh, that was his mom's and he found somewhere and was like, oh, I'm going to spring this on Todd and Juliet. So I, I believe it's like, um, maybe, I will say it is something with, with like the Icarus something. <laughs> <laughs> Are yes. you guys ready? More than ready. <laughs> Could not be further from the truth. Um, Damn it. I'm going to point out a couple. Of, well, first of all, the ornate language and, and all that. And you, you, were, you were getting some more Wainscotting. But actually, this is a Western, which you oh. may have noticed when the floorboards creaked under his boots. He took off his hat. Oh, oh I thought the, those were like some oh. fancy oh. Victorian boots. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this has a strange tone, and it's a little tricky. This is... All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy. Oh. So I think what you guys caught on to is the way that McCarthy does use that sort of 
formal, you know, outdated language but you, constantly. You didn't read it like Cormac McCarthy. You read it like it was an old Victorian novel. If you're going to read it like, if, if it's a Cormac McCarthy book, you got to read it like your, um, like your Sam, Sam Neill or something. Sam Shepard. <laughs> Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. I can't do yeah. it. to be <laughs> But I need like grit in my voice. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like that was did. unfair. Candle flame and the image of the candle flame caught in the pier glass, twisted and righted. When he entered the hall, and again when he shut the door, he took off his hat. He came slowly forward. The floorboards creaked under his boots. Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah that would, I'd know it was a western in that regard. <laughs> I don't know. I thought. I mean, I, I, I thought it would be tricky just because he does throw in those vocabulary words that are just insane. You know, like that that do feel outdated. I mean, he, 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 he reaches back constantly. But there were, you know, but it's still. I love the way. He, he, I mean, it's such great imagery, all the mirrors and the twisting and the reflections. And then, you know, this image of, I think if I'm remembering correctly, it's his father that's dead or someone that's dead that he's looking at the person that was not sleeping, that was not sleeping. Oh, this was the first Cormac McCarthy I read because, you know, it was the National Book Award winner. And and mm-hmm. uh, I never saw the movie, but I think it was not really a, popular. Not a great movie. Yeah, it's, I don't think so. But it uh, it was right. I read it right before the movie came out, so I think it was when like the book was kind of having its big popular moment. Um, mm-hmm. It's part of a I trilogy. Oprah, Oprah had made um, one of Cormac McCarthy's books, one of her picks, and then he had that big popular renaissance after Oprah got people to read him. Yeah. And then he had that weird appearance on Oprah, where it's like, oh, here's Cormac McCarthy in the light of day. <laughs> He's not someone who needs to be on daytime TV. Really? Uh, he. <laughs> I actually don't know that much about him. So. Me neither. He's a faceless author to he me. He was. Um, he was a. I, I recall him being dry. <laughs> I, yeah. I recall there, there must be a YouTube clip of it. Hold on. He's one of my favorite guys. authors. I mean, you know, as I've talked about on this podcast many times, I'm such a huge Faulkner fan. And to me, McCarthy is the you know the great inheritor of Faulkner's language and and sentence structure, and I just I love him, I love him. But uh, Blood Meridian is one of the greatest books. I mean, oh. it's so insane. And I you know I read that years ago. I think I've read it twice, and I I want to read it again. Like every time I talk about Blood Meridian, because it's so dense and so beautiful to read. It's like. It feels like just one long poem, you know, similar to Moby Dick mm-hmm. in that it's just so, ju- uh, I, I, there's never been better prose extended for so long and and yet still such an exciting story at the same time. Mm-hmm. And isn't that part of the Border Trilogy that this is a part of? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah, all the pretty horses. that and uh, The Road. No, The Road was, was um, post-apocalyptic this there's like three books that were part of the texas border trilogy it's all about texas mexican border uh um, and it's blood meridian all the pretty horses and another one i want to say what's the other one that i've read no con- no country for old no, no, no not that's no his like no. crime which is also a great book yeah Ugh. all right so I'm, I'm i'm looking at this uh interview with Cormac mccarthy and oprah and mm-hmm. the reason it seems awkward is surprisingly enough it was his first television interview ever wow uh, that's like zero to a million. On Oprah. Yeah. I always knew that I didn't want to work. Mm. The, How did you manage that? Most people would like well, to do that. You have to be dedicated. Yeah. But it was it was my number one priority. And uh, That you didn't want to have a nine to five job. 
Yeah, I thought you, you just hear once, life is brief, and to have to spend every day of it doing what somebody else wants you to do is not the way to live it. And um, I don't have any advice for anybody on how to go about that, except if, you, if you're really dedicated, you can probably do it. So you have worked at not working. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's number one priority. I think my first television interview talking about a book was on, like, Good Morning uh, Walnut Creek or something in some public access show. So, you know, I'm prepared for Oprah if she ever comes to me. <laughs> All right, what do you got next? All right, this one, I, I can't read the whole first paragraph. Um, I'll see if I can skip maybe a couple sentences and keep going. Yeah, I might skip to the second paragraph and read part of that. Part one. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou? Isaiah 45.9. Prologue. It is so appropriate to color hope yellow, like that sun we seldom saw. And as I begin to copy from the old memorandum journals that I kept for so long, a title comes as if inspired. Open the window and stand in the sunshine. Yet I hesitate to name our story that. I'm going to skip ahead. Second paragraph. Charles Dickens would often start his novels with the birth of the protagonist, and, being a favorite author of both mine and Chris's, I would duplicate his style, if I could. But he was a genius born to write without difficulty, while I find every word I put down, I put down with tears, with bitter blood, with sour gall, well mixed and blended with shame and guilt. Okay, I've read this. Yeah, I feel like uh, I have too. Uh... Uh... I want to say, is it Ray Bradbury uh, with the, it's apocalyptic in a way, but no, it's not no, good enough. No, this, this is, uh, I, I think it's like a Stephen King novel or something. Hmm. Um, oh, Maybe. Fuck, hold on, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this makes great radio or wherever you listen to this. It's just people <laughs> saying, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't say a word. Oh, man. Yeah, re re read it. Read it one more time. I feel like it's something really dramatic. Um, you can tell from the epigraph. But, yeah, I don't know. It could be another horror type thing, but I'm just not sure. Here, read it again. <laughs> Prologue. It is so appropriate to color hope yellow, like that sun we seldom saw. And as I begin to copy from the old memorandum journals that I kept for so long, a title comes as if inspired. Open the window and stand in the sunshine. Yet, I hesitate to name our story that. Skip ahead. Charles Dickens would often start his novels with the birth of the protagonist, and, being a favorite author of both mine and Chris's, I would duplicate his style if I could. But he was a genius born to write without difficulty. While I find every word I put down, I put down with tears, with bitter blood, with sour gall, well mixed and blended with shame and guilt. Oh, oh, I know what it is. I know I know what it is. I know what it is. What? It's what is flowers it? Flowers in the attic. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are gonna be so mad oh. if you didn't get that. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Christ. Oh, oh my god, I can't believe I, I didn't I get was that so right away. That you keep going into like the religious oh. you know, you know <laughs> making it into like this great book. <laughs> Oh my no. god. I was oh. like, I know I've I know I've read this. <laughs> Good call. Wow. Yeah, when you say when you were like Stephen King, 
<laughs> I was like, oh no, they're getting closer. You know, they they're gonna. But yeah, they they, they seldom saw, and like I just oh. the the. It's like so close it's to so being dramatic. kind of smart and it's good. It's almost you're good. Like, Wait a no, minute. it's oh, not. Charles Dickens. But then when you actually are like, I put down with tears, with bitter blood, with sour gall. Yeah, it's Shame so and guilt. Like, overdone. But ju- but ju- it's not quite yet, you know. But the section I have to skip is that when she says, um, open the window and stand in the sunshine, <laughs> I hesitate to name our story that. She says, for I think of us more as flowers in the attic. Paper oh, flowers. right off the bat. Born so brightly colored and fading dollar through all those long, grim, dreary, nightmarish days when we were held prisoners of hope and kept cra- captives by greed. But we were never to color even one of our paper blossoms yellow. I, I was thinking of Flowers in the Attic um, when we were reading Animorphs, which is the episode before this one. But what you guys don't know is we are recording this before we were recording the episode of Animorphs. But anyway, when I was reading Animorphs, I was thinking, man... When I was 13, I was reading Flowers in the Attic, and, and it made a lot more sense than Animorphs. <laughs> man, that's oh, a man. bad book. But this is so bad, yeah. So dramatic. I know. I know. Oh. If Todd hadn't nailed it, you guys would have been like going off in some horrible direction. Uh, right. What, if, what if Julia had admitted liking it? That would have been bad. Well, it I doesn't sound never. that bad. That's why I wanted to pick it because, out of context, it's like, wait a minute, this isn't horrible. And there's a reference to Charles Dickens, so it's kind of like meta literary. So maybe all that sort of purple prose was like intentional, and you know. But uh, you also no. you also read it with gravity. Right. Yeah, right. a lot that of power is always yeah. no, in no, the reader's hands. Tip the hand. Mm. <laughs> 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 uh. Wow. You have a lot of power over us with your various audiobook voices, right? That's that's how VC right. Andrews gets you. You know that that's why VC Andrews has sustained her quality all this time. You don't know if it's horrible right. or if you're. And old. you're also eleven when you're reading it because all you hear about is that it's thirteen-year-old brothers and sisters having sex in an attic, and you're like, "Well, I gotta read this." Right. We're horrible. Oh, by the way. <laughs> Uh, I started watching Game of Thrones while I was on vacation. Speaking yeah. of people having sex with oh, their siblings. Oh, let's not do why, that why again. Why hasn't anyone told me previously that I should be watching Game of Thrones? What? I don't know if you guys know. They Hold cut on. off. Hold on. Todd, take a step back. We did tell yeah, you. What are you. You've never watched Game of Thrones? I, we we I never watched Game it. of Thrones. I just started watching it. you never it. read I'm, the I'm books in the or second anything? season now. I don't know. What is wrong with wow. you? No. But Wendy started watching Game of Thrones before I did. Now she's reading the books. And then last night she watched an episode where at the end she began to scream. And I guess that's that episode where... Yeah. That's the episode apparently where where everyone dies. So I know that these things happened culturally. I just haven't been a party to it. (laughs) That's like every episode. So I don't... Do you guys... They they f***ing Ned Stark in episode nine. You're just ruining that for all of our listeners who are like you. Yeah, we know. You know, stuck in 1998 or wherever you are. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's not like I just said I started Why watching the Six Feet Under. The show There's and so many stars that you could keep listing that are. Let's just stop. But yeah, it's a great show. You're uh, gonna love it. You're yeah. gonna love it. I'm loving this, it. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I mean, there have been some seasons where I get a you know, there's a slump every in the middle of every season where I go, this is a soap opera with people in armor and boobs for no reason, like just. There, there's so much gratuitous boobage. And butts. It gets annoying, actually. But it's a, it's a pretty quality show, and every season comes around with those last couple episodes that are just awesome. Oh. 
Yeah, and it's so gotten better I, too I, as the I, budget's gotten bigger and the directors have gotten better. I mean, now the way that they shoot that show is insane. Like they have three units going in three different countries. It's, well, that's what I was thinking just watching the first two seasons is they have to have, they're shooting four simultaneous stories in four different countries with four different directors yep. yeah. or assistant directors, whatever. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's absolutely nuts. And props to fucking David Benioff and, uh, what's the other guy's name? Dan Weiss? D.B. Weiss? What's his name? The other showrunner. Yep. I mean, that, that's 9,000 pages of book that they are turning into a TV show. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little behind. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good. You're going to love it. I love how political it is, and the religious element is the other aspect of Game of Thrones that I just can't get enough of. The way it depicts polytheism, monotheism. Oh, it's, it's so, so good. good. This last season brought me back in a way that, you know, since the Red Wedding, I sort of tapped Don't out. Don't tell me who dies. I watch, but I'm not really into. But now this last season I thought was some of the best season of television I'd ever seen. Wendy's it's incredible. The last couple episodes. Wendy seems very upset about the, the way the, the wed wet like wet red wedding wow, red that's wedding. hard to say the red wedding apparently a lot of people died <gasps> oh my god oh no Oh, shit. Oh. Just don't Google Game of Thrones. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> All right, it'll be ruined in that moment. <laughs> All right. What's our last, what's our last one? <laughs> I feel like we've had whole discussions on the show about Game of Thrones because we've talked about the, the books on tape and how much, the, how I yeah. love I know. Them. I think I, I did. Yeah, only, okay. Those are the only episodes where I'm quiet. <laughs> are you ready? Selection number three. I don't know when to stop on this one, so I'll just try and read. All right. The introduction. Nature, the art whereby God hath made and governs the world, is by the art of man, as in many other things, so in this also imitated, that it can make an artificial animal. For seeing life is but a motion of limbs, the beginning whereof <laughs> is in some principal part within. Why wake may we me not when you're say, done. Just, just no, wake me when you're done. <laughs> Engines that move themselves by springs and wheels as doth a watch have an artificial life. For what is the heart but a spring? And the nerves but so many strings? And the joints but so many wheels? Giving motion to the whole body, such as was intended by the artificer. Art goes yet further, imitating that rational and most excellent work of nature. Oh. I would totally think this was Frankenstein again if we hadn't done that one earlier. <laughs> the visitor. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be yeah, I mean, scary. How could you not recognize K.A. Applegate's beautiful prose? <laughs> I believe it was K.A. Applegate who first said that man was an artificial animal. And the automata is one of her favorite words. Is, wait, is K.A. Applegate a woman? Yes. Huh. I just, that doesn't that changes my perception of reality. Okay, I feel like... Well, okay, so this is this is like the third book that he's read that had the word half, I think. It's all, all, all the picks have had this strange language in it, so I think he's trying to throw us off with these things. Um, this... I feel like this has to be some work of philosophy or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it can't be a third terrible YA selection. <laughs> <laughs> you, that, that, that would be kind of cool though but no 
I just tried to pick as diverse <laughs> that does, books that as does possible. Presuppose a lot of thought <laughs> into our I? gameplay that we have not previously <laughs> had. Um, it could be like some sort of. Well, it's it could be nonfiction. I think it might be nonfiction, um, but like 18th century mm-hmm. nonfiction. I could see that. The word half is that's a big. It's a big word. You're really distracted by that, huh? <laughs> I think it's something religious. Right, okay. Something that's got, you know, there's obviously a reference to God creating man. feels almost biblical, but of course it's not. Yeah, I really just have no idea. You really got me well, on you read this the, one. Just, just read the first, like, two sentences, because I, I don't want to fall asleep before we record our second episode tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nature the art whereby God hath made and governs the world, is by the art of man, as in many other things, so in this also imitated, that it can make an artificial animal. For seeing life is but a motion of limbs, the beginning whereof is in some principal part within. Why may we not say that all automata, engines that move themselves by springs and wheels, as doth a watch, have an artificial life? Okay, this Very is like some punky. Frankenstein shit. Um, like some yeah. Mary Shelley. Yeah, that's what I think too. But we already did that. Evil Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> Pinocchio, but, Pinocchio, but not. Pinocchio, but not. The worst Italian well, restaurant. Well, I mean, I'm going to tip my hand. Um, and, and, and I'm just going to tip my hand and say it's not Pinocchio. What is, is Pinocchio a novel? Or is it just a folk tale? Yeah. There's a novel that... It's, uh, There's definitely children's. a million versions. So there is of an it. original Pinocchio the, book. Like for some reason in my mind, I have the Disney cartoon, and then I think of it as just like an Italian folktale. But oh, okay. I know story. I have a. Automaton makes me think it's being translated. From the word German. is not automaton. It's automaton. 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 Oh, oh my God! It's Doctor Who fan fiction. <laughs> is it Doctor Who fan fiction? No, but that would be cool. That would have been a good idea. (laughs) If if someone wrote fan fiction with these kinds of words, they would. I mean, that (laughs) would be impressive. I'm I'm sure they. Oh yeah. Wayne Scotting, automaton. Fox, Spock, Fox, Kirk. Afterwards, God, I can't speak tonight. Are we gonna give up? We We give up. Can we? we, Should we just go into it? (laughs) Uh, You you were actually very close. You you you. It is nonfiction, and it is very early. It is from 1651. And it oh. is Thomas Hobbes' Leviathan. Wow. Oh. Famous works of political philosophy. Perfect. Yeah. Interesting. And Pretty different I, than Flowers in the Air. I had to read this whole <laughs> fucking book in college. Wow. And it's, that's, those are the first three sentences is all I read. And it's oh. about 400 pages of that. And that's he loves lot. the comma. Hobbes. Big fan of the comma. You know, all this early writing in English, it's like they're so in love with the language, and it's just... And well, the what spelling else do they have in the 1600s? Off. If you don't have... Like, you got the comma, and what else do you have in life? You know, well, you, apparently weird like, spellings of words. Like, joints is J-O-Y-N-T-S. Principle is P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L-L. Artificial is R-A-R-I-T. A R T I F I C I A L L. So it's like all this, it's really fun to read in a way because it's just so weird. Um, Is this one of these books you only keep because you're proud that you read it? You know, we all do that. No, it's, 
and you know this is one <laughs> of those on you know this is one of those books that you really are glad you are forced to read in college because I don't think I would get all the way through it and I don't think I would you know I don't oh, think awesome. everyone has to <laughs> but if you're interested in like why the American Constitution is the way it is reading Hobbes is pretty awesome and um, you know the whole notion of a social contract and his concept of like so much of our modern conception of um, justice and democracy and you know our, our our republic is based on the concept of like what we are like in the state of nature and mm -hmm. that's really comes out of Hobbes and Locke too but but Hobbes was one of the first to really say that like in the state of nature we are all selfish horrible you know gnashing of teeth you know horrible you know we'll kill each other to survive kind of uh Bad creatures people. which I kind of completely disagree with, but when you think about Western civilization, so much of our contemporary civilization is based on the concept that were it not for laws governing us, we would all, you know, rape and pillage each other. Fall um, apart. And that's, it's a pretty intense, he's a pretty dark view of human beings, basically. It's, uh, with the same title, I don't know if either of you guys saw it, an amazing Russian film that came out last year um, yes. about a fisherman in a small town. What a great foreign language film. Absolutely amazing. Did it win the Academy Award? Yeah. It, it was up the Academy Award. I don't remember if it won. Julia, if you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. It's probably available on Netflix by now. Yeah. I actually haven't seen oh it either. I've just seen shots from it and been like, what? Are, oh, are you kidding man. me? It's the most beautiful looking movie. Um, it, but it's, I, haven't, I haven't watched it. an amazing story of a small... Um, coastal Russian town and of a fisherman um, who is basically fighting for control of this small town with a corrupt city official. It's And it's, an, it's just an absolutely amazing story. And the filmmaking is beautiful. Looks awesome. Um, but everyone should just go uh, should just go see that instead of reading that book. Well, no, they should, read, they should do both. No, oh, should we can do both. We can do out. both. <laughs> This Hobbes guy. You don't have to read the whole thing. Locke is much easier to read and similar, and um, you know. But yeah, anybody interested in the basis of uh, uh, American democracy Human and, and yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. And they should also read the Flowers in the Attic because let's, no, let's be fair. That's okay. Would we have the same Bill of Rights if it weren't for VC Andrews? <laughs> I think would not. Would Donald Trump be running for president uh, if, yeah. if Flowers in the That's Attic That's a valid exist? question. I, I don't know. The same people that think Flowers in the Attic was snubbed by the National Book Award are the people that are going to vote for Donald Trump to be president. <laughs> oh, I think that's dang. a fair, you know, that's a Venn diagram, diagram I'd like to see. That, we, that does cross over. <laughs> people that, that don't make a distinction between a political figure and Donald Trump. And Donald right. Trump. Ooh. Yeah, that, I would like to see that. Uh, all right, so that'll do it for this episode of Literary Disco. Our show is produced, edited, and saved every week by Tucker Ives. Like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, and thanks for listening. Oh,